Good morning on this glorious Easter morning. Again, before we uh, begin, let me just open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have risen. We thank you for this glorious day, Lord, where we can celebrate. And Lord, again, we just thank you for your amazing love for us. And we thank you for your word, which is infallible and truth. For you are the truth and the way and the life. Again, we thank you for this time. In your name, amen. All right. Well, he is risen. Very good, very good. Again, that is the formal response. He is risen indeed. And again, that, that brings me to a little story before I start. Uh, it's a very favorite memory I have. Uh, this is our youngest son, Josh, actually. And uh, uh <laughs> he was very young at the time. And it's my fault. I, I really didn't go over him the... The uh, formal, you know, uh, you know, when someone asks you, you know, and he tells you he is risen, you know, the formal response is he is risen indeed. Well, I, I didn't tell him that. So uh, one Easter, some uh, some uh, one came to him and said he is risen, and Josh's reply was, "Yeah, he is." <laughs> I thought that was so cute. We got a good chuckle over it, but uh, but you know what? Josh was absolutely right. Yeah, he is. He is risen. So it's a, a good statement, just the same. But today. I wanted to come with you guys with a uh, with a statement uh, I'm going to give you folks, and that is, what if? Again, that's in your bulletin. What if? What if there was no resurrection? What if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Where would that leave us? What if? Well, if there was no resurrection, we all would be wasting our time here today. There'd be no reason for me to be up here. There'd be no celebration. We'd all be still in our sins going to hell, each and every one of us. What's worse, all our loved ones who died, who knew Christ as their Savior, would, would also be doomed to hell. There, there, there'd be, no, there'd be <laughs> no, nothing at all. Hell, that's what would await all of us. And if there was no resurrection, our lives would be without meaning, no purpose, no joy, no peace, no fulfillment. We, I know uh, a couple months ago, and even this uh, about two Sundays ago, we finished up with Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, again, if you guys want to follow along, that's fine. I'm going to be kind of hopping around a little bit, but if you guys can keep up, that's fine. But Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, uh, we had gone over, and this is from the preacher Solomon. This is what he says. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place it rises there again, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north. The wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Again, you get these perspectives of Solomon the preacher where uh, sometimes we'd be praising the Lord, and then this time he's just saying all is vanity. There is no purpose. There's no fulfillment. And again, with the, with there being no resurrection, 
that deeply no, no purpose in our lives at all. <coughs> we may as well say, let's buy the latest gadgets. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's it. There's nothing after that. Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians. So now we go to the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to be reading from 12 to 20 and a, uh, a couple verses after that. But I'll start over chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 12 to 20. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are, even we are even found to be false witnesses of, of God because we witnessed against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. For if, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. And is that ever true? I mean, here to say if there is no resurrection, we're going to hell anyway, yet we're, we're abstaining from what the world's doing. How sad is that? <laughs> you know, how pitiful. Now in verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. And I'm going to go to verse 32. <coughs> if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And then now to verse 52 of chapter, of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Again, now he's addressing believers. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. <coughs> o death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, <coughs> my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So again, Christ gives us that purpose. Okay, That sting of death, not that we'll all, <coughs> unless the Lord should tarry, in the second coming to, to take us to be with him, we're all going to die a physical death. But here, that, that sting is taken out for those who believe in Christ. That sting is not there anymore. <coughs> so that sting is gone. But now, we'll take a look at the Easter story. And again, we've heard of different accounts. <coughs> David had read the account of Matthew earlier. I'm going to read John's account. John chapter 20. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 29. 
Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together. This is how excited they were. They were running together. And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. <coughs> and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter therefore also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. Now again, angels throughout the Bible, angels are God's special messengers, these special agents that God uses throughout the Bible. So angels play such an important role throughout the, the Bible in doing God's bidding. And they said to her, the angels, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and they do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him Hebrew, in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, to remind that the doors are shut now, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And said to them, peace be with you. So again, it's amazing how these doors are shut, but Steve Jesus is still able to get through, whether by, you know, uh, the, the amazing power of God where he can just pass through these shut doors. And when he had said this about peace be with you, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, also I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Okay, the first time Thomas is not there, one of his disciples. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I shall see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas this time was with them. 
Jesus came, their doors having been shut. Again, they're shut. And stood in their midst. So again, he's somehow able to get right through these shut doors. And said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Now here in this account, again, it's an amazing account of these angels and the Lord who's risen from the dead. He gives this account. What grabs my eyes is this doubting Thomas. You know, the quote you always hear, doubting Thomas, don't be a doubting Thomas. And again, I think it's easy for us when we see Thomas, you know, we wag our fingers and say, oh, how can you doubt Thomas? You know, look what's happened. Uh, but again, are we not all, to all like that, a doubting Thomas sometimes? Maybe we'll doubt something. Uh, I mean, through my walk, Christian walk in my life, there's been times where I've had the question, Lord, is this really true? Is this <laughs> are you, you really there? Uh, but again, we see with Jesus, with Thomas, he's very patient with Thomas. He doesn't scold him for doubting, but patiently asks Thomas to see him, to touch him, to gently says to him to be not unbelieving but believing. And Thomas then is convinced. And you see his reply. Thomas just doesn't say, oh, okay, Jesus, you're right. No, he proclaims him Jesus as Lord and my God. He gives him deity because he knows that he is God in the flesh. So when we have doubts and we, and we just bring them you know, humbly to the Lord, he is so gracious that he will show himself to us and, and to be honest and, honest and humbly as we come to him, that, Lord, we need your help. And he is very gracious to do that just like he did with, with Thomas, the doubter. Well, let's get back. If there was no resurrection, would 12 followers of Jesus willingly give their lives in telling everyone they could about Jesus rising from the dead? It was all a lie? No way. <laughs> no way. <clears throat> let's look at how uh, some of these, uh, with the disciples, how they surrendered their lives in boldly serving their risen Lord. Um, now, in the Bible, it doesn't really, th there's one instance uh, with James where it records that this James, the son of Zebedee, he was executed by Herod the king. The other disciples, m most of them, are not really recorded in the Bible. Uh, again, this is historical facts where I'm giving you about the rest of the disciples. Well, Judas, Judas we see. Judas, now he, was, he betrayed Jesus and he hung himself. Now, other disciples, Paul, he was beheaded. Now, Peter was crucified, and at his request, he asked to be crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to die in the same position as Jesus did. Andrew was crucified. Thomas, our doubting Thomas, went preaching the gospel as far east as India and died being pierced with spears by soldiers. What a turnaround. <coughs> Philip was arrested and put to death. Matthew, the tax collector, was stabbed to death. Bartholomew died as a martyr for the gospel. Another James was stoned and clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot was killed after refusing to sacrifice to an idol. Matthias was burned to death. Now, we, uh, the only recorded disciple that kind of lived really to old age was John. And he was exiled on the island of Patmos. So it wasn't like John was on vacation in the island of Patmos, sipping a, more, you know, a little umbrella with it. He was in exile. So he was on his own, old age, and, and he was just left there. 
But in the island of Patmos, again, God did a, the Lord did a great work with him. And John, humanly speaking anyway, wrote the last book of the New Testament, which is Revelation, on the island of Patmos while he was exiled there. If there was no resurrection, why would there be thousands of songs written celebrating the resurrection? Old-time old hymns and contemporary songs, too, where they celebrate Christ rising from the dead. Again, if this was a lie, why bother? A favorite hymn we have sung in the past, as a matter of fact, I, I believe we're singing at, at the end of the service today, is Because He Lives. And here are just some of those lyrics. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future, and life is worth the living just because He lives. If there was no resurrection, how can it be when millions of people's lives have been changed and transformed by our risen Lord? 1 John 5, again, just some verses that uh, just pro proclaim his greatness. Uh, 1 John 5, 10 to 13. First John 5, 10 to 13, says this. The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. The Lord doesn't wish us to wonder. He doesn't want us to guess. He doesn't want us to say, well, I think I hope so. The Lord wants us to know we have eternal life if we have him as Savior. We, we know. This is a definite. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Again, some of these uh, verses may be very familiar to you, to you guys. Uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. When you accept Christ instantly, that spiritual rebirth. Not that it takes a lifetime as far as, you know, we're going to fall down on our face sometimes in sin, but... Eventually, as far as that spiritual rebirth, it, it's an instant. We are a, a new creature in Christ, and we are uh, destined to be in glory with him when we accept him as our Savior. John 11, 25 to 26. And again, I'm just going to touch on this first because I'm really going to read uh, more of this a little bit later on. But John 11, 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Is the question he asked. And again, Jesus is saying, when you have Jesus, you have life. When you have Jesus, you have the resurrection. You are coming back from the dead. Your body will not be in that grave forever and ever. You will be with Christ when you pass away. For those who have Christ, accept him as Savior. 1 Peter 1.3 in 1 Peter 1.3, and thank you for your patience. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit. 1 Peter 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So again, here's that living hope. We don't believe in a God, or we don't believe in Jesus that's just laying in the tomb somewhere. He is risen. He is not there. He is a living hope, and we can believe in that living hope, a certain living hope. And finally, Romans 6.4. Romans 6.4, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So here is again, being that Jesus has been risen from the dead, we too can walk in newness of life. The old has passed away. If there was no resurrection, Jesus would not have been able to call Lazarus from his grave. Now again, let's look at the biblical account because it's kind of touched base on that a little bit. But in John 11, and I'll be just reading through a, a, just a bunch of verses, it began this amazing account of how if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, well then this, this event wouldn't have happened with Lazarus. <coughs> Even though this is before he rose from the grave, but again, talking about Jesus' power. John 11, I'll start with verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister uh, Martha. And it was, Mar the Ma it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Jesus had a deep love for, for these people. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. So again, here per Jesus purposely stays. He doesn't, you would think that the normal reaction of us is, oh, we got to get there right away. He's sick. He's, he's not doing well. But Jesus, no, he purposely stays two days longer. We're going to jump to verse 14. Then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, is called Didymus, remember our doubting Thomas, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So here we see already the Jews had come to console them. But again, with Thomas, you kind of understand, and we're going to read this a little bit soon, uh, Jesus was almost stoned in Jerusalem. So now here they're going back to Jerusalem. And Thomas is saying, well, we might as well go with him and die too. Because <laughs> Thomas, again, he, he knows Jesus is in danger, and the type of disciples are also in danger. Matter of fact, there's some... Uh, this history thing I was looking at was saying with Thomas, they say that Thomas kind of looked a lot like Jesus too. So whether that had something to do with Thomas saying, well, I might as well go die with him too because <laughs> I look just like him. So I'm a target also. <coughs> we'll continue with verse uh, 20. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary still sat in the house. Remember, these sisters are grieving for the loss of their brother. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They, they know that 
Jesus would have made all things right if he was there. That's what they're thinking. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. This is verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Again, Mary's thinking in a whole different plane. Mary's thinking of the far off future where, all right, you know, someday, uh, you know, we'll see him again in the, in the, way, in the way future. Uh, sometimes you think at a funeral, we'll, we'll say to somebody, oh, well, we'll see him again, you know, but we're not thinking today. <laughs> well, here, Mary's thinking far off. Jesus knows it's now. It's going to be today. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question he asked Mary, uh, Martha. Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and was coming to him. So here Mary is grieving deeply for her brother in the house. And here, when she heard Jesus is looking for her, she immediately gets up and goes to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews when then who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So obviously the, the, these Jews here are thinking, okay, she's going to go to the tomb and weep there for her brother that's dead. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing Martha says pretty much. Lord, if you only been here, we know things would have been right. You would have been able to heal him. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And you know, it's amazing. That, that's probably honest. That's like the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. But hear how powerful that is, that when we grieve, Jesus weeps. He grieves when we grieve. He knows our heartaches, and his heart aches also. And so the Jews were saying, behold, how he loved him. It was very obvious. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved the sisters. So it was very grieving to him that Lazarus had passed. But again, Jesus knows the end of the story. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man also from dying? People knew around. Jesus healed people. Why, you know, why wasn't he there? Could he not have kept them from dying? Jesus, therefore, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. So here, a stone is lying to the opening of this tomb. Jesus said, remove the stone. Now Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. And again, I can almost picture these people saying, What? Remove the stone? I mean, I mean, you don't do that, you know. Uh, and I almost equate it to, suppose you're at a loved one's casket, and you, you take your cell phone and take a selfie. <laughs> you know, you don't do that. You don't do that at a funeral, at a funeral home. You don't, you don't do that. It's, it's just not right. And the smell, 
Again, Lazarus has been dead four days. The body decays. Uh, I don't know if you folks, I'm sure, over your lifetime had sour milk sitting in your fridge. Th the stench of that is just, it's not good. You, can, you notice it right away. It's that stench. Uh, you know, again, a dead body is more pungent, that smell. Uh, I mean, I work for the DOT, the, you know, the highway, and we pick up dead animals all the time. But the summertime, if that, if that you know, dead animal is laying, laying there for a while, you can smell that pungent smell. Um, uh, as soon as you get near it, it's just a pungent smell. Well, the same way, uh, unfortunately, with the body. I mean, it's just a bad smell. And they're saying, he's been in there four days. His body's decaying. And you want the stone opened? <laughs> okay, verse 40 now we're on. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone. You notice it's they, so it's a heavy stone that they got to remove, but they do move it. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me. So here he is. He's in direct communication with the Father, that, that unique communication where it's God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and he's praying to the Father, yet God, he is, he's 100% man, he's 100% God. It's that amazing combination. So, and so they removed the stone, and Jesus prays to the Lord. says, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me, and I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many, therefore, of the Jews who had come to Mary and beheld what he had done, believed in him. When they saw that, they were convinced. But, unfortunately, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. So you can picture the scene. Lazarus comes out of the tomb. And you can picture just all these different reactions of the crowd around, what they were reacting. Some were out of shock, I'm sure. Some astonishment. I'm sure Mary and Martha were full of joy and wonder. But yet there's even some jealousy where they missed the whole point. Instead of praising God and saying, wow, look at this miracle. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They go running off to the Pharisees. Look what this guy Jesus just did. You know, I mean, it's just amazing how they missed the whole point. You know, Lazarus was an ordinary person like you and me. Since Jesus raised him from the dead, Surely, Jesus, being God in human form, could raise himself from the dead. Furthermore, since Jesus raised himself from the dead, he absolutely will raise us from the dead, guaranteed. To those who know Jesus as Savior, we are guaranteed that resurrection. And he is the rescuer of our souls. So today, for those of us who have Christ as our Savior, today is a day of victory, celebrating Jesus' victory over the grave. Maybe for some here, maybe you're not sure what to make of Easter. When you die, can you honestly say, you know what's next? But don't you want to be sure? Well, today you can. Today is a day of salvation to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And again, what a perfect day to make that a commitment on Easter Sunday, a day of, of celebrating Christ rising from the dead, that you too, when you believe in Christ, can rise from the dead. So he is risen. Yeah, he is. <laughs>
let's go to prayer. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, Lord, you have paid the price. And we thank you, Lord, for, for those, for those here who have accepted you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you that today is a day of victory. Today is a day where, because you have risen from the dead, we too will rise from the grave. And, Lord, for those here who may not know you or are not sure, I pray today, even, even those listening on live stream, that today will be the day of salvation, that now, Lord, that they would receive you in their hearts, that today, and again, it's nothing magical to say, just say, Lord, I need you. I need you to come into my life. Please take it and use it and forgive me of my sins. And thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to do just that. In your precious name, amen.